Hey there, and welcome to the memoir, My Dad Wouldn't Write. This is a limited series of conversations between a daughter and a father about the things that make us family and the items in my dad's 82 years that have helped to shape who he is today. You know, he's had this incredible life as a cultural worker, poet, professor, an activist, and mentor, but he wouldn't write a memoir. So this podcast is a way to get those conversations onto tape and to find out exactly what shaped this incredible and complex and far from perfect man that I love, Eugene Benjamin Redmond. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to be radically honest with your father with no topic off limit, well, sit back and enjoy. I think you're going to find this fascinating. Dunham, Duma, and EHE were uh, the bridge between uh, East St. Louis and California. Okay. And the world, you know, the world actually was doing a lot of both um, while we in East St. Louis. So what you're was, saying is the three years, because you went to Sac State in 70 or 71? 70. In 70. I went to Oberlin. Oh, in 70 you went to Oberlin. Mm-hmm. But the three years before that, 67 to 70, were dominated by, your the way you earned your income was being a teacher at the Experiment in right, Higher Education. Te- teacher counselor. How did you find out about that job? Uh, <clears throat> they contacted me. Okay. Yeah. They were, you know, they were looking for people for teacher counseling and curriculum specialists. Mm-hmm. And um, so they contacted people, mostly, um, you know, these people came to town and they hit the barber shops and the beauty parlors. Stop. Uh, the people who set up EHE. The three people who set up EHE were a Jewish man named, I'll think of his name, but they were part of a consulting group called the World Planning Organization, Mm. WPO. That sounds ominous. Yeah. (laughs) Based in D.C. So they're the ones who... Uh, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Right, they sold. The, contracted with. That's right. They and sold. they gave them the idea that you should have a satellite campus. Right. In East St. Louis, Illinois. Right. And it was for the purpose of serving black people. That's right. Okay. Now, there were a few white students. Of but course. But it was actually underserved students who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. first, 40 underserved students from underserved families Mm. who who hadn't considered college okay or might not have considered college and they might have gone to a trade school or something Hmm. okay and but had they considered college 
they might not have been accepted. Mm, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you, I'll give you something you can read on this. Uh, but the <coughs> so these these three men, and there were some women involved too. Mm-hmm. There was several women teacher counselors. Uh, but the crew was mostly black. The curriculum specialists were white and black. We had South Africans in exile. That was big then. That was big around the world. Mm. Wherever you went, you found some South Africans in exile. Mm-hmm. Do you remember interviewing for the position? Yes. Edward Crosby, mm-hmm. Donald Henderson, and I'm trying to think of the, the Jewish white guy. But they were the in line. It was like the head director was the the man who had the world planning organization, and then second in charge was uh, Donald Henderson, who was deputy director. Mm-hmm. And then Ed Crosby, my mentor, who came for my seventy-fifth birthday, mm-hmm. he was uh, head of curriculum. Now, were you still living in your apartment that you took through graduate school during this time, or had you moved back to the city? I moved back. Okay. I moved back to 25th Street. Uh, 25th Street. <coughs> Is that when you were staying in the boarding? Mm-mm. In the no. boarding house, or you had an apartment? I had an apartment. Okay. I had an attic apartment at a, at a home. Okay. But when I was staying in that uh, the boarding house, mm-hmm. I was in college. I just got back from the Marine, Marine Corps. Oh. So, so I, you, you interviewed? Yeah, I interviewed with them, and I became a teacher counselor. Now tell me this. You and I both know as black people that when something happens in your community that's money generating, they give you the inside track when you're a beloved person. Yeah. Like I imagine if I was still living in, in Meridian, people would be sliding me the information about jobs with the school system and everything. You know, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. what was the what was the inside track story with that? Who was contacting you? Was it former teachers? Were they telling you what to say in the interview? Did people give you a heads up that man the job is yours? All you gotta do is blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were all. Uh, well, they just actually got in touch with me. I was, um, you know, as they as they got in touch with teacher counselors, then we did the rest of. It. We recommended other people, for okay. example. Mm-hmm. So they had. Uh, there were several liaisons. Uh, the story of SIU is uh, is complex and complicitous, mm. and. Uh, with the crown, with the potentially crowning jewel being that SIU as we know it now, mm-hmm. might have been in East St. Louis, mm. in either Lake Park or Grand Marais Park, or the area starting around where East Side is mm-hmm. and swathing straight on out as far as you needed to go. Yeah, that. I mean, when as you said that, what popped in my head was the fact that Ooh. now 
there is a prison. You got to go. Yeah, but before the prison, it was Assumption High School. There was Assumption High School. Oh, that's right. You're uh, toasting your bread. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. to be off here and there because mm -hmm. the history mm -hmm. many of the men white men because it was a boys catholic school mm -hmm. assumption was yeah hmm. okay yeah you know schools were there were no uh, co-ed schools oh the reason catholic why schools. the reason why i i was surprised it was a boys catholic school is because i i feel like i seem to remember talking to girls who said they went there Oh, later. Oh, yeah, you would. Okay. It later became co-ed. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, for decades, though, it was... It was a boy's school. Dodge boy's school. Mm -hmm. And now, uh, many of the men who... And uh, it's, it's fading a little bit now because they're getting... They're older and retiring and dying, but... What the people who operate St. Louis County uh, include many Assumption alumni. Hmm. And what it's called is the Assumption Mafia. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember you saying that mm -hmm. before. Yeah. The Assumption so Mafia. Now, all this is this is all <laughs> happening at the same time, and I think it's so important because you've got Assumption, a white boys' school mm -hmm. with occasional blacks. If you're Catholic, mm -hmm. and if you, you, know, you can go. Mm -hmm. Just like St. Mary's and the other girl school mm -hmm. for white girls but mm -hmm. if you're a Catholic you know like say Jay mm -hmm. or you know and then you uh, then you could go to those schools not that she went but I'm saying mm -hmm. so now all this is happening in the city you know mm -hmm. blacks are moving north mm -hmm. and moving west whites are moving to what would be what would be suburbs Mm -hmm. Really had no suburbs mm -hmm. because it, uh, it was just all rural. Yeah, so the gritty, you know, mm -hmm. rural and gritty, you know, laborers mm -hmm. and professionals. So, so then the EHE comes in. Now, mm -hmm. if we fast forward, a lot of us are talking about trying to um, uh, restart EHE, mm -hmm. the concept. Mm -hmm. Because at the same time we had EHE come into being, funded by the federal government, the state of California, uh, and in the federal government was OEO, mm -hmm. Office of Economic Opportunity, War on Poverty, mm -hmm. and they were like grants galore. Mm. You know. Well, tell me this: okay. How long did you teach at EHE? Two years. You taught there two years. And 68, 67 to, to 69. So started in the fall of 69, went into 68. Okay. And uh, the, the spring of 68, then the fall of 68, and spring of 69, and then off to Oberlin. Okay. And so how do you think EHE... Um, impacted 
you as an educator? Well, it was my first uh, taste of uh, professional academic life. Mm -hmm. that's, why I, that's why I started where I cut my teeth. Okay. And the irony and coincidence of it was that I had black mentors. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> that was very good for me, leaving WashU. Mm -hmm. well, there were nine black students all together at WashU. <laughs> right. We all knew each other. Graduate school, undergraduate. Nine. <laughs> nine in the whole institution. So, <laughs> so, so um, it was very good, and, and uh, it had a great impact on me. Uh, one thing you you didn't get, for example, when you were uh, when you were in school, and I don't even know if you get it now. Mm -hmm. You you didn't. There was no class in resumes, mm. so you didn't. You had to fend for yourself, and there was no class on how to write syllabi. Mm -hmm. You know, you just went in and it was something. Yeah. It, it was it was it was a blind spot in the higher education system. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is like now. Yeah, they teach you that now in business writing, the resume. Okay. You can learn that in <coughs> business writing. Yeah. But everybody doesn't have to take business writing. Well, we didn't see. Right. Yeah, and so, uh, but because of them, I knew, and most of the people who went into academia and doing the black studies uh, push, mm -hmm. hadn't been trained to write resumes. So I had friends who would ask me, well, well how do you do this, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. I mean, very learned, had read a lot, mm -hmm. and in particular they had read the Latin American writers. That came, that came because it's the third world, because of the third world, mm -hmm. so, so the African writers, the, 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 the black writers of the third world, Indian writers. Mm -hmm. But, so, when I got in, because of my training at EHE, I had something on a lot of the people who were dealing with curriculum, who, who were mm -hmm. going into black studies to teach. Mm -hmm. And I would get calls all the time, you know, Quincy, and just a bunch of friends of mine. Mm -hmm. You know, they went right from, like, the Watts Writers Workshop, or, Obasi in Chicago, Black Art South in New Orleans, or, mm -hmm. you know what? And went right in to teach because the students were demanding mm -hmm. one black teachers, our experience be included in the curriculum. Mm. Two people who look like us will teach it. Mm -hmm. Three, we need students on campus to take it. Mm -hmm. Because when this, when it kicked off, I could count um, black teachers in English departments at uh, at U.S. universities. Yeah, I was going to get the acronym for, for, for PWIs. For yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> predominantly white institutions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could count them on two hands. Mm -hmm. you know, 
So, and particularly black poets in residence, mm-hmm. black poetry classes, mm. uh, black literature classes, uh, black history course. I mean, at some schools like o- Ohio University, there are scores of courses with sharp undergraduates junior and senior level, mm-hmm. teaching them, and with a black, you know, professor, or maybe even a white professor, being the teacher of record. And literally, somebody who was like a, a junior or senior might be teaching a black literature course. It was, mm. it was like, you know, it was almost like assembly line. You know, I, I can name you, uh, when I went into the offices of poets and writers, mm-hmm. somebody came up behind me and stuck me in the back like they were robbing me mm-hmm. and said, Three Negro Slave Narratives, The Autobiography of Malcolm X, Invisible Man, <laughs> and so I don't, that's, that's the syllabus that I had years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Figman, mm-hmm. Elliot Figman, who was the head of Poets and Writers. So he was your student? He had had my class at Oberlin. Oh, wow. Were you? That was your first visiting professorship? Yeah. I was writer in residence without a book. Writer in residence. Black writer in residence at Oberlin and lecturer in African-American studies. And I didn't have a book. But guess who the other three people that that were contenders were? Who? Who were contenders? Michael Hoffman, (laughs) Gwendolyn Brooks, Mm. Ralph Ellison. Wow. The the finalist. Now, I didn't have a book. Michael had a book coming because he had won the pit series, mm-hmm. but they didn't give it to him. So Gwendolyn Brooks thought, she was one of the three judges, mm-hmm. she thought it had been given to Michael. Mm-hmm. When it turned out, it gave, got, went to a woman named Shirley, some, a white folk. <laughs> so Gwendolyn Brooks wrote him a nasty letter, mm-hmm. and, they, and they seconded mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. Because she thought when she left that they'd agreed we can give it to Michael. Mm-hmm. Young Poet Series. So they hit. did They did that thing that they do. When we leave the room, then they do what they yeah. really want to do. <laughs> but wrapping, okay, wrapping, wrapping up our um, yeah. conversation, well, this part of our conversation yeah. about EHE, because I can see that we, we're going to need to continue it. Okay. You said that it was your first foray into professionalization, into teaching. You were lucky enough to get black mentors. Um, I would add lucky enough to come back to your hometown so that you could also, you know, be a resource to your large sibling group. Yeah. (laughs) Large, large and lovely sibling group. And were you able to create some 
relationships that you've retained to today? I know it was a long time ago. Yeji. Mm-hmm. Sherman Fowler. Mm-hmm. Warrington Hudlin. Mm-hmm. Now, under EHE, EHE was the arch, sort of the overarch, S-I-U-E-H-E. Mm-hmm. Under EHE was P-A-T-C, the Performing Arts Training Center, Catherine Dunham. Mm-hmm. Under EHE was Upward Bound, mm-hmm. which we were also bringing to, into existence. And Upward Bound for listeners is a wonderful um, nonprofit under a, now, um, in modern times now, it is under a TRIO nonprofit, national nonprofit called TRIO, and Upward Bound is one of the programs right. designed to help first generation, mostly African American students, uh, matriculate through college by giving them support from high school <coughs> to bridge them over uh, to. Uh, undergraduate education. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, upward bound, and of course, feeding into um, uh, into, into Head Start. Mm-hmm. All, all of this came about at the same time. Mm. Oh, it was. I mean, street academies, mm-hmm. counseling centers on the street. Mm. Oh, it was the greatest period of my life. Mm. Educationally, mm-hmm. anybody who wanted to get a skill, mm-hmm. anybody who wanted to um, start something, start a project or a business, mm-hmm. anybody who uh, needed certain, anybody coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking for something, mm-hmm. you know, it, I mean, we had mapped the community, mm-hmm. you know, like like an like an MRI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> so that's where all these these friendships come from. Mm-hmm. You know, I could go on naming EHE students, uh, Darnell Thompson, mm-hmm. who um, just sent me a nice package. Mm. But um, anyway, so what you have is Catherine Dunham, mm-hmm. EHE, Upward Bound, and all of these seven neighborhood NOCs, Neighborhood Opportunity Centers, in parts of the city. And each one of them was a, was like a little... Clearing house, mm. each neighborhood opportunity center, mm-hmm. uh, directed by a person in East St. Louis, by an East St. Louisan, mm. uh, and uh, so that that was it. Uh, OEO and the federal government generally, but OEO, mm-hmm. the state, and the I mean, uh, yeah, OEO, the state, and the local government. Mm. Well, you know, it's 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 heartening to hear about the type of community investment that yeah. was being made. Mm-hmm. But it also what it says about you is that you've always been a community-minded educator. And the truth is, you could have taken your credentials and did like a lot of writers 
and you know went to some bucolic northeastern mm-hmm. <laughs> university mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying you know had your feel of sexy co-eds and it had a much larger income yeah and you know like as you called it babysit geniuses or maybe babys- like I did babysit the privilege yeah. right <laughs> Some of them are geniuses, but babysit the privileged, uh, the wealthy. And that was never interesting to you. No, was I, never the I, had, I had more than my share of it at Oberlin. Mm-hmm. You yeah. saw, you, yeah. you, that was your yeah, window into it. it. It was a good, it was, that was a good experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 2,800 students, 8,000 people in the city, mm-hmm. in the little city. Mm-hmm. And not a snoot in sight. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, we went to Elyria and Lorraine to get one. Right. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Tony, Lorraine, where Morrison is from. That's right. That's okay, right. Well, we that's drove a, over there. That's a fitting way to end this part. <laughs> this was the memoir my dad wouldn't write. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>